0: Sportsmanship, confidence building, positive attitude, learning from failure and success. You'll find it all here. This is Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Welcome to the exclusive edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. And you can hear this and all of our other podcasts on winnersunlimited.com. Our show is about mindsets and attitudes in sports. I've been practicing as a sports psychologist in Kansas City for 36 years. And I've hosted a radio show in Kansas City for the past 26 years. We talk about mindsets, sportsmanship, being a good teammate, positive coaching, winning, losing, success, and failure. And what we do on this show is I do interviews with people each week to help you understand the psychological perspective in sports. You know, one of the things that concerns me as a sports psychologist is the changes we've seen in the world of youth sports. We've just written our book this past year called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports that I co-wrote with Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery, a three-time All-Star, and Pete Malone, who for 40 years coached the Kansas City Blazers club swim team and is in the Hall of Fame of Swimming as a coach. Coached several gold medals in the Olympics, but coached thousands of kids who went on to become successful people. And they co-wrote the book with me because they're great people and they understand what it's about. They're successful in their sport, but they also understand what coaching is about. Jeff also coached youth baseball for a number of years after he retired. And one of the concerns I have as a sports psychologist is the way youth sports has changed in the past decade especially. You're getting more and more leagues starting at younger and younger ages. You're seeing competitive leagues happening for four-year-olds. I recently had a caller on my radio show saying his four-year-old daughter is on a competitive T-ball league team playing with five- and six-year-old boys. And after talking with this man for about five minutes, he said, I got to get her off this team as soon as possible. I said, yes, you do, because the goal was to win. Why would a four-year-old be on a team to win? In my opinion, there's no reason for that. Youth sports should be about development. It should be about teaching fundamentals. It should be about having fun. But unfortunately, we have so many people who are caught up with winning, caught up with their egos, caught up with the importance they feel it is for them as a coach or a parent to see their child or their team win and succeed, that the perspective has been blown out the window. This show is a show where we try to interview people and talk to people about this area. And today we're going to be talking with Jim Thompson. He founded the Positive Coaching Alliance in 1998 and as a board of directors of a who's who in sports. And they put on clinics all over the country about coaching athletes and coaches to have fun and be better. The purpose of this show is to help you understand yourself better, help you become a better coach, better parent, better athlete. But more importantly, to have fun, because that's what sports should be about. You know, professional athletes compete to win. They compete for the, It's their profession. They, want, they need to win and succeed to continue to thrive and survive. But the world of youth sports should not be about winning. It should be about the experience. Winning is a piece of that that, in my opinion, becomes important by the time you're in about 7th or 8th grade. As a sports psychologist for 36 years, I have found that we are now putting more of a perspective on winning for young people at 5, 6, and 7 years of age. And I think it's damaging a lot of kids. It's harming a lot of kids and it's causing a lot of stress and undue problems, especially in the in the area of self-confidence for younger kids. Now we're going to talk with Jim Thompson, the founder and CEO of the Positive Coaching Alliance, an association and organization that does what we do on this show. It helps kids, parents, about the world of youth sports. Jim, thank you for taking the time to talk with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You know. I've been working as a sports psychologist for 36 years in the Kansas City area, and the world of youth sports is my passion, it's something that I'm very concerned about. And obviously your organization has done tremendous things in this country to help educate parents and coaches and athletes about making sports fun, about making the the whole atmosphere a positive thing. You've got a board of directors of people who have made it to the top in their their sports and their professions, it's a who's who of people uh, who are successful. Tell us a little bit about your organization and, and its mission and what you feel the problems in youth sports are today.
1: Sure. Um, really pleasure to be on your show. I started um, thinking about Positive Coaching Alliance when I first started coaching my son's Little League teams. Actually, when I first went to his games before I even thought about coaching and just saw there was so much negativity And I had been trained working with emotionally disturbed behavior problem kids, kids with a lot of problems. And we were trained in a relentlessly positive approach, which got results. And then now, some years later, I'm an MBA student at Stanford. And uh, there's so much negativity with my son's soccer team, his uh, baseball, basketball team. And so I decided to start to get involved with coaching and I used these relentlessly positive approaches that I had been taught to and they worked amazingly well kids uh, had more fun they were more aggressive parents came to me at the end of the season saying hey how can I get my kid on your team next season and that's when I realized there was something something more here than that than just working with one or two teams that that the whole system of youth sports is uh, beset by negativity and positivity really is the basis of everything good. And that's, I realize that's a big statement, but I'll stand by it.
0: Well, I agree with you hundred percent on that and, and has someone who's worked with athletes for over 35 years dealing in this area. It's something that, that's a concern of mine. And I'm seeing a shift in our country to where we are now having younger and younger athletes playing on competitive teams with coaches who want to win. I recently had a caller on my weekly radio show in Kansas city whose four year old daughter was on a competitive t-ball team with (laughs) boys five and six. And in talking to this gentleman, it got him to the point where I I said, why is he, she on this team? And by the time we were done, he says, I'm taking her off the team as soon as possible. It was an unhealthy situation because the goal in the team was to win at four years of age. Are you seeing a shift in this as well?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we've Positive Coaching Alliance has been around for 19 years. Uh, I wrote a book called Positive Coaching some years before that. Uh, Phil Jackson uh, was kind enough to write the foreword for that. I grew up uh, admiring and even worshiping Phil Jackson because I grew up in North Dakota. I'm a, a Plains guy like uh, like you are in Kansas City. And Phil and Roger Maris were the only two people who came out of North Dakota to make it to the big time. So I grew up worshiping him, and um, immediately when I started Positive Coach Alliance, I reached out to him, and he became our, our, um, our national spokesperson. And his example, in fact, um, the article that I wrote for uh, the Mercury News in San Jose uh, about Phil's impact on youth sports, he's gotten so much grief about his tenure with the New York Knicks and there's a, as a psychologist, I'm sure you're aware of the recency effect. We tend to, to remember the things that happened most recently and forget the things that happened earlier. And I didn't want people to lose Phil Jackson's impact on youth sports. There are a lot of positive coaches in, in professional sports now, lots of them. Uh, 20 years ago, they weren't. Phil Jackson really stood out. Um, as getting incredible results by being mindful and being positive. And that has been a huge uh, influence to turn the whole idea of what good coaching is towards a positive approach.
0: Well, obviously, I agree with you 100% on that. My favorite book of all time is Sacred Hoops that Phil Jackson wrote. When I read that book, I was like, this man gets it. Because he understands the psychological component. I, I have a lot of sayings, Jim, that I, I talk about on my show and as well as with my clients. One is you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. And to me, coaching attitudes and mindsets in the end is what it comes down to because you can be tremendously skillful physiologically, But if your mind isn't there, it's not going to work. And obviously Phil Jackson got that. I mean, he was a reserve player with the Knicks when he played. He did start, obviously, for a while, but he was not the star of the team. And to coach the Bulls and coach the Lakers with the egos and the personalities that he had to coach, he understood why mindsets and attitudes play a role. And one of the best interviews I ever heard was with Kobe Bryant after the Lakers won a championship in Game 7 against the Celtics. First half, I think he scored about four points, but at halftime, you know, Phil gave a talk, and then Kobe spent some time reflecting on the way he was playing. How can I be a better player in the second half? Came out to play great, and they won the won the game. He was named the MVP. But he, he listened. I listened to an interview with him the next day, and he talked about the influence Phil had on him and about being even keeled and positive and looking ahead.
1: You know the the Kansas the Kansas City Royals are a great example of a positive approach. Uh, and if you look at baseball, last year the Indians and the Cubs played in the World Series. Both of the sports psychology consultants that work with them, Charlie Marr with the Indians and Ken Revisa with the Cubs, are involved with Positive Coaching Alliance and really helped us shape what we do when we work with sports leaders, coaches, parents, and kids. And one of Charlie Marr's statements is, or big ideas is um, – if you can't control your attention, you can't control anything. And it's about keeping your mind in the moment. And what negativity does is it takes your mind out of the moment instead of, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to you, Andy, you, you know all this stuff. This is mainly for your, your listeners. But when, when negativity comes in, what a, a really strong competitor, what we call a triple Impact competitor who elevates himself, elevates her teammates, and elevates the game by the way he or she competes. What a a triple impact competitor or an elevator does when negativity hits is they reset. They say, okay, um, I need to get back to focusing on the task here. And uh, that positive approach and that relationship you have with the coach and with your players is what allows you to develop that mental toughness. And I think. There's a, this idea that being angry and nasty is tough, but real toughness is to be able to remain positive even when things are going wrong.
0: Well, when I work with athletes, Jim, one of the things I try to focus on is mental preparation. I talk about four key things preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. I, mean, I talk about a lot of things, but those four key words are things we emphasize. And I talk about being prepared for winning, losing, coming from behind, being way ahead. Being prepared for all the situations so when you're there, you've already been there in your mind. I talk about focus in in terms of being able to concentrate on the task at hand, but also being prepared for distractions. I talk about attitude because that's how you feel. And then I talk about the foundation of all, which is self-confidence and the belief in yourself. And what I find is there are a lot of coaches out there who take the time to deal with these things. I always encourage coaches to have a practice where they don't do any technical or tactical things. They just sit and talk with their team. Put the bats aside, put the gloves aside, put the balls aside, t- take your running shoes off, and just sit down and talk about mindsets. And it's amazing when coaches do that how much they can learn about their athletes and how much the, the athletes can learn about the coach.
1: You know, I recently went to a conference on uh, dealing with kids who have experienced trauma, and lots of kids have. You know, we think about kids coming out of a, you know, a, a violent neighborhood but a lot of kids coming out of what we would say is like a good neighborhood or good family, the, the, the parents that are having problems, or there's divorce, there's maybe a uh, you know a death or an illness in the family. Lots of kid kids experience traumatic situations, and one of the recommendations for working with traumatic uh, kids who've been traumatized is to have a transition. Don't immediately go when the kids come to practice. Don't immediately go to drills and things like that. But have a, a transition where you, you, you welcome them, you welcome them by their name, um, by name. You uh, find out what's interesting and have the kids. Um, a lot of these ideas are coming that I'm sharing are from Mary Fry, who's at the University of Kansas and on our National Advisory Board. Um, we're actually working to put together a PCA center, a Positive Coaching Alliance Center at, uh, at KU. This will start in the fall. So you have that transition where the kids get to know each other, you get to know them, and then you you get into the business of of the, the team. And what I thought about when I when I uh, was reading about this and thinking about it is every kid needs that kind of transition, whether they're, they've been going through trauma or not. But hey, I am really glad you're here today, um, and we're going to have fun. We're going to work hard. We're going to try to be the best we can be. Positive Coaching Alliance's motto is better athletes, better people. And so say that to the kids. You know, I'm really excited about coaching you today. Um, we're going to work hard to be the best athletes we can be and also to be the best people we can be.
0: I have a saying, a good coach is a good psychologist. <coughs> a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And <laughs> I've, I've used that forever. And I have found in my 36 years of work in the area of sports psychology that I've encountered some incredibly Tremendous people and some incredibly negative, terrible people who are involved in the world of sports. And what I have found is some of the best people I've ever been around understand my, the, the mindset plays such a key role and how important, especially with kids, being positive, being supportive, being reinforcing, and acknowledging them as a person is. And you have too many people who get involved, especially in youth sports, Jim, I have found, who are in it for their egos. They're in it to win, and they don't understand the impact they have on these kids. I I have so many kids I've seen in my office throughout the years who have been damaged psychologically by coaches who have said negative things to them, who get angry at them when they strike out or miss a shot. A coach will throw a temper tantrum and and, and berate this young person because they screwed up, and I'm like, well— you know, why would you do that? Why would you get angry at a kid who failed? Does a teacher scream and yell at a kid? Would well, they, they, they miss a problem on a test? Of course not. You know, failure is, is and in our book, Just Let Them Play, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun, because we, yeah. I don't think we teach kids how to fail successfully anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, the coach's role in our society is, um, is elevated. Coaches, um, parents trust their kids to coaches. Coaches have the ability to do things, for good or ill, that classroom teachers couldn't get away with. Um, And I think a sense of purpose and a sense of identity are really important here. Um, You know, um, Bill Bayman, who's on our National Advisory Board, he's head of the Center on Adolescence at Stanford University. He has a book called *The Path to Purpose*, and he says only about twenty percent of the high school kids in this country have a sense of purpose beyond themselves. They might be good students, they might be able to, they're achievers. You give them a problem, they solve it, but they don't necessarily have a sense of purpose. And that sense of purpose is the long-term motivator for for all of us. And and then. you know, what really drives our behavior is our identity. Who do we think we are? Who do we want to be? So this idea of being a triple impact competitor, uh, I elevate myself. I elevate my teammates. I elevate the game by the way I compete. Um, and so I'm, I'm becoming an elevator like that's the elevator with an ER, um, not the machine that goes up and down. Right. Um, and what, in terms of giving kids purpose, what a great coach can do is, in the short term, they can say, "Your team needs you. We all need each other, and let's work together to make this team the very best team we can do and achieve." And that's fantastic. But if it doesn't go beyond that, it's too short term. What we want our kids to learn that they're community needs them their country needs them the whole world needs them and that sports are a place where you can practice being an elevator and then when you when you grow up what you know you become an attorney a police officer a teacher a sports psychologist whatever you do with your life you can be an elevator you can look around how in this situation can i make things better how can i elevate things
0: well what i love about what you just said is you didn't mentioned two words, winning and losing. And unfortunately, too many coaches focus on the result. I, I always talk about non-materialistic goals, things like attitudes and commitment and communication as the keys to you know being successful in what you do, not about how many games you win or what your batting average is. And we have too many young coaches today. You get caught up in the statistics. They get caught up in the results, and they don't focus, focus on the process. They don't focus on... You know, the effort. I always talk about my, with my athletes, FOE, focus on effort and not on the result. You know, the result you're going to get is, is a result of the effort you put into it. And what you just said right there makes so much sense because it's about, it's about understanding an athlete as a person. Let me ask you this question, Jim. I, I have found that over the past 10 years, I am seeing younger and younger athletes in my office now who are having problems with stress because they're not doing well, they've been berated by a coach, they're losing. And I'm finding that we are getting younger and younger athletes playing on competitive teams in this country. What's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, I, I probably the biggest question we get, we, part of the Coaching Alliance has done, uh, we'll do 2,800 live workshops around the country this year. So we're reaching millions and millions of kids. And, and I want to mention that we're, we're talking with the, uh, the Kansas City Royals, and we're working really hard to develop a positive coaching alliance chapter in Kansas City. That's the next city we want to go to. We're in 17 cities around the country, and and Kansas City is where we want to go next. Um, but what, what parents are most concerned about is, first of all, um, if their kid has any kind of talent, they get recruited really early to a travel team, and then the coach who sometimes, maybe often, is making a living as a coach. So uh, if they can get a kid to play soccer all year round on their team rather than than playing soccer and basketball and and baseball or lacrosse or whatever, um, that's to their economic uh, benefit. So I I like to tell parents, like, whatever age you want to put your kid on a travel team, why don't you wait another year? It's not going to be the end of the world if you don't, and and we think that the local leagues where kids play with their friends and uh, aren't traveling all over the country are really the basis of these sports. Now, I'm not anti-travel games because when when it, it, what's really great is when you're competing against somebody who's about the same level. That's when you have to rise to the occasion. If your if your team is really strong and you're you're Uh, athlete is really a good athlete and they're playing every game against much weaker competition. I understand that, but there needs to be a balance there. And so, um, you know, wait a year.
0: Let me ask this question. What age should winning and losing matter from your perspective?
1: Well, we talk about winning, winning and losing at life, you know, being, being really good at life. The, The research indicates that it's before 10, Kids really um, – they're, they're not that interested in winning or losing. What causes kids to to stay in sports – and that's what we want. We want kids to stay in sports. There's all kinds of evidence that the longer kids stay in sports, good things happen. So if you have a uh, – if a kid has – you know, is playing baseball and he's eight years old and he's having a good experience and then he comes out as a nine-year-old and, and has a bad experience, a negative coach – that kid doesn't say, well, you know, last year I had a good experience, this year I have a bad experience. Uh, I'm going to come out again. No, they're gone, and they, they don't come back. So that that positive first experience, so that kids are having fun, and then as they get a little bit older, uh, enjoyment is tied to getting better. In fact, when we, we say that, we ask about what are the three things kids need from youth sports to have a great experience? The first one is They need to feel connected to their coach and their teammates. They need to feel part of that team before they commit to the team. Second, they need to believe that they can get better. Uh, Athlete can be a really poor athlete to start with, but if a coach can convince her that she can get better if she works at it, uh, sky's the limit. And then kids want to be like we all. They want to be on a team. They want to feel good about being on a team that does things the right way. So if you give kids that kind of experience when they come out early on, you know, they feel connected to their teammates, and if they, they make a mistake, um, their teammates support them rather than, than yell at them. They feel like, wow, I'm getting better. I can get better. And, hey, we're a team that does things the right way. And, and Andy, you know, there's this really interesting research that was in the New York Times uh, within the last year looking at teams at Google. Hundreds and hundreds of teams, they looked at what made the effective teams effective and what made the ineffective teams not so effective. And both set the teams the high performing, the low performing ones had smart people on them. They had people that worked hard. The surprising result, although when you think about not so surprising was the teams that did the best had a high degree of psychological safety. They felt accepted. They felt like they could make a mistake. They could say something stupid and they wouldn't get, um, you know, crushed by their teammates or their coach. And, boy, that works for teams at every sports and, and uh, business.
0: Well, that's the way it is in life, really, I think, if we look at it, Jim. And, you know, you and I could have this interview for, for hours. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying what we're talking about here because we're talking the same thing. And the problem I think we've got today, especially with youth sports, is that money has gotten involved. There's always somebody making money, and we're getting younger and younger athletes and younger and younger competitors, tournaments and things like this for, for five-year-olds and four-year-olds now because someone's making money out there. And I think the perspective for a lot of people is there the right way. They want kids to enjoy it, have fun, learn and grow, You know, teach fundamentals, enjoy the experience. But there are always gonna be people out there who wanna take advantage of that. And I think your organization does a great job of trying to educate people about making it fun, making the situation a positive situation and, and, and allowing kids to continue to participate. And one of the people on on your board, Larry Brown, I was KU's first sports psychologist back in the early 80s and spent a year working with him when he coached the uh, University of Kansas basketball team. And he told me something that stuck in my mind that I've shared forever. He he told me that young athletes should be in a team sport and an individual sport. They should be in a team sport because it teaches them about sharing, about working together. But they should be in an individual sport because it teaches them about developing self-confidence. And I think both of those aspects are so important today, especially for young people. And this whole specialization thing has become an issue that concerns me about kids specializing in one sport at, you know, 8, nine, ten years of age, playing it year-round. It's going to cause physical injuries as well as other things because they don't have a chance to do other activities.
1: Yeah, you know, um, Larry Brown came to Positive Coaching Alliance. He reached out to me because his kid was playing. This is when he was, was – um, the coach of the 76ers, and his kid was playing baseball youth baseball, and he came home one day and said hey i don't want to play. I don't want to play baseball anymore because of a bad experience with a coach and so Larry Brown reached after me so um you know one thing I want to go back to is it's um, there's, there's, it's really good news it's not have fun or win it's when you do things the right way, you perform better. When I started Positive Coach Alliance because the kids that I saw playing baseball and soccer and basketball, the negative experience caused them to not be able to perform very well. And when you create a basis of positivity, um, kids perform better. That, that, that doesn't mean you don't have hard conversations with them sometimes. If you know, if a kid isn't hustling, you, you may take them aside and say, hey, I really – I really need you to hustle. Our team needs you to hustle. So it's not like you have lower standards, but that positive relationship leads to better performance.
0: Well, you're 100% correct. And the, and the problem that a lot of coaches have today that i found is they, they don't understand that because they're so focused on the result and winning. And if an athlete doesn't perform, they get angry at them and upset at them, and then they become negative, and then it ruins the experience. So the whole idea of your, your Association Positive Coaching Alliance is about the first word positive being positive and i think it's important for you, sports coaches especially to focus on that with young athletes because that will give these athletes the opportunity to learn and grow you have to teach them what happens when they fail but not to be scared of it to embrace it and learn from it and take it as something that's a learning experience that will help them get better you
1: know uh, absolutely right our approach has been to take ideas from sports psychology motivational psychology other disciplines and the best practices of some of the greatest coaches in the world and put them into practical tools. And um, you know, one tool that we use is we call it a buddy system. Uh, we teach kids about the, the, the emotional tank, which is like the gas tank in a car. If you're going on a long trip, you've got to fill up your tank again and again and again until you get to your destination. And a season is a long trip, so kids' emotional tanks need to be filled. Uh, you know, notice the good things they're, they do become a noticer, notice the good things they're doing. We recognize them for that. Um, and then they've got the, the ability to, to keep going through the, the whole season um, and deal with challenges. And our whole approach with we do workshops for leaders of organizations on how to create a positive coaching culture, for coaches on how to get the best out of kids, for parents how to support their kids, and for athletes on how to be elevators, triple impact competitors. And it's all about giving them practical tools. What can I do in this situation? I've got a kid who's afraid of making a mistake. Teach your team a team mistake ritual, like flushing mistakes. You make a flushing motion or or wipe it off or... Have your kids develop their own mistake ritual so that when a kid makes a mistake and they look over at you or they look over at their mom or dad, instead of throwing your clipboard down and yelling at them, you're making a flushing motion saying, don't worry, we'll get it back. Um, those practical tools are what we we trade in, and I think that's why we're growing so fast is because we're giving coaches, parents, athletes, and leaders tools that can help make the youth sports experience a great one.
0: Well, Jim, you're talking about the same things I work with athletes on and have for the past 36 years, and, and that's why there's such a need for this. I, I thoroughly respect what you've done here with Positive Coaching Alliance. I want to thank you so much for joining me this morning. This has been a tremendous interview. I'd love to have you on again. And I really, really appreciate the fact that you're doing the things you do because young people need to hear this message and parents and coaches need to hear this message because it'll make the youth sports experience a better one and give kids a chance to last longer and and take the lessons they learn in youth sports to help them in life.
1: Andy, I really enjoyed this, and let me just say, because we are focusing on Kansas City and we'll have a center at uh, KU in the fall, um, people can go to our website, positivecoach.org, and they could email me, jim, at positivecoach.org, if they're interested in helping us uh, establish a PCA chapter in Kansas City.
0: Well, Jim Thompson, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it and continued success with your organization.
1: Andy, thanks so much.
0: That wraps it up for the digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you've enjoyed our interview with Jim Thompson of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Remember, you can hear this interview and many others on our website, winnersunlimited.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew
1: Jacobs, digital edition. Find out more at winnersunlimited.com.